We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Adu just been named sporting director and already having a heart attack watching Bukayo Saka's price go up, up, up. This is the Arsenal Vision Postmatch Podcast. My name is Ellie Smith. You can follow me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. I don't know. Is it the postmatch? It's not. What is it? This is the Arsenal Vision during the World Cup. Let's talk about Arsenal podcast. Uh, there will be a World Cup daily today out just probably a few short hours from the time you listen to this. There will be a World Cup daily out, as the name suggests, daily with Lewis and Phil. Probably myself most of the time. Maybe Clive or Paul or Tim will be on those as well. Maybe we'll get Scott on them. But they're there to keep you going through the World Cup. Um, Today is about Arsenal on this podcast. And here to talk Arsenal with me is Paul. You can find him on Twitter at Paws My Pants. Hello, Paws. Woohoo! And Clive, you can find him on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Really, really weird. I find myself like, it almost feels like summer, not outside, where if I step out there, I turn into an icicle immediately. But in the sense that, like, the Arsenal stuff, all of a sudden, I feel like it's a million years ago. It feels like we played Wolves between six and seven months ago. It feels like the season is distant memory. It's just a very bizarre thing we're going through. But we did get to watch an Arsenal player today. I, I should mention we were recording this as Senegal and Netherlands are tied nil-nil in the second half. So the game that we we saw earlier was England play Bukayo Saka, making his World Cup debut and scoring two goals. And poor Adu, now sporting director, having to go to Stan Kroenke and say, remember the, the contract we're going to put in front of him? You're going to need to add uh, add some zeros to that. So Clive, all kidding aside, wonderful moment for Bukayo. Makes his World Cup debut, gets two goals. Iran's defense was shocking, but it's beside the point. It's just a, it's a chance for the world to see and celebrate a player that we love. And I think if, you know, if this gives him a little bit more of that flair and confidence in front of goal, it can only help because we know we're going to need more goals when the season comes back. What are your thoughts on Bukayo Saka, star boy, getting a, getting a brace for England? Yeah, very nice, wasn't it? It was like, a, I tweeted out, I felt like a, a proud dad <laughs> watching our boy <laughs> going to do his thing. And um, obviously he's had his um, um, redemption day, really. And First of many, as we we know that this is just the beginning of his career, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I, when I look at international football, the level's not as high 
but the pressure is times 10, you know, because the whole nation, the whole world is watching. And as everything you do has more pressure around it, hence the execution means a bit more, whether you execute, whether you don't. There's just a few more eyes on you. So, yeah, there may be a cut of wind of Keenan's in that Iran team, but that's maybe being disrespectful, but you still got to do it, right? And they did it mm-hmm. when everyone was watching at the right time. And um, so, yeah, a very, very good day for all Arsenal-watching people that have that glow running through them right now. Particularly, there was a lot of, not a lot, but a bit of willy-start-willy-play type vibe going on before the game. Well, he sort of yep. put that to bed, hasn't he, really? Taken off at, what, 70 minutes wrapped in cotton wool, one of the more important players for England, I'd suggest. And, and Paul, like the, look, my selfish preference is Kyle Saka having his feet up for the next few weeks and coming back to us rested and ready. But I guess the second best thing you could ask for is a day like this, a pretty easy day, where Bukayo gets a couple of goals and just feels himself and feels his his stature growing. Because when we come back to the season, we're not gonna we can't look at the title race as plucky underdogs trying to do our best. At some point, we're gonna have to take on the role of we belong here and we're good enough. And one way you can feel that way is going and impressing the world with your skill and your quality and your goals. And so setting aside the fact that he's playing and that means exertion, what do you think the benefits might be of our young players, whether it's Saliba or Martinelli or certainly Bukayo Saka, going out there and really announcing themselves to the world and how that could influence how they come back to us. Yeah, look, I often find myself out of step with Arsenal-dumb in that... <laughs> Doesn't show. Play- Doesn't show. <laughs> <laughs> players want to play. Athletes got an athlete. Footballers got a football. Um, like, as long as they don't totally overload him, like, the, you know, there's different, there's a spectrum of outcomes in terms of how much he's played. It sounds like there'll be some rotation. The messaging for this was Saka starts for this one, Foden starts for the next. I mean, these guys, depending on how far they go and how much they played, may come back in better shape, fitter, mm. more tuned in. We just, like, it's one of those, you don't know. You can't say universally it's great if he plays every game or he doesn't play or um, the problem is that it's a bit random. It's not going to be managed by Arsenal. It's going to be managed by England and their needs, mm. but hopefully him, Martinelli, you know, Martinelli's not going to start every game. That's for sure. Uh, I guess he's he may not play at all. With- <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although if his and- training, if his training videos are any indication, apparently he's been the star of Brazil training. I don't know what yeah, that's worth. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess he's competing against, to some degree, against Neymar. So uh, he he could be Pele. Well, that wouldn't help him, actually. Uh, no, it might, actually. That might be the one thing that would help him. He could be <laughs> Pele, and he might get in ahead of Neymar occasionally. Um, yeah. And Jesus, you know, m- most uh, Brazilian supporters that I know in real life don't want him to play at all. So who knows? <laughs> Who knows whether he'll start it. I think there's a misunderstanding as to his value to the team. And then you look at all the players who are getting a little vacation right now. I mean, it, it's an interesting experiment. We don't know. I think we've got to kind of give a little trust over to these things and just hope that the gods are kind to us. Because we don't know is, is like, I don't know if yeah. anybody knows. No, that, that's a, a fair point. Well, Clive, one of the things we know is that the World Cup is a place for players to announce themselves, not just to the world, but to other clubs that may be interested in them. It seems like Pekasaka has struck up a friendship with Jude Bellingham, and 
His talent stands <laughs> out. I don't know what to tell you. Um, I look at that player and you I think, you're how old? <laughs> yeah. So Why would you do how, this to Clive? Do, well, what I want to know from Clive is, do we get Bellingham in January or are we going to have to wait till June? <clears throat> yeah, the one that got away, right? So there are rumors that... He hasn't gotten um, away yet. He hasn't yeah. gotten away. <laughs> well, everyone, everyone. He's been... He's been coming for a while. Like, there's no secrets here. Everyone wanted him at 14, 15, 16. Birmingham been played seeing him. other people for a little while, Clive. That's all. Yeah, just been seeing other people. Um, and yeah, I, there was rumors that Edu had him on file, but wasn't too sure. I don't like those rumors. I didn't you know. I shouldn't even said that. Um, but I feel there's a missed opportunity there somewhere because. I don't like You know the I don't fact. edit these podcasts, right, Clive? Like, yeah, just, I, just so we're I, clear. That's I don't like I don't <laughs> like the fact. I and I mean this. I think there are some players that go abroad to because they want to, you know, educate themselves and I shouldn't be against that, but there are some players that would play anyway if they were here. And every single player in that squad is in the Premier League apart from one. And I do feel that I wish he had a stayed here, and if it, one of our rivals, because now 140 million quid is going to go out of the English game. And I don't think, for what? For a couple of years at Dortmund, I think he'd have got that experience in the UK. I think that's a shame. That's me with my football hat on. Forget Arsenal. Mm. That money leaves, our, leaves us, leaves our shores, and could be used so much more in different ways, right? So, but hey, it is what it is. That's market forces. He's protected his career. He comes back a bony, fidey, world-class star, and he can pick his club. Uh, I'm afraid he might pick Man City. <laughs> and if he picks Man City, uh, we're all in a bit of trouble. Um, he's mm. just a storming player that bestrides the pitch. At times in that game, Declan Rice was thinking, can I have a touch? Do you know what I mean? Because literally he was just all over the pitch. And it's just, it's great, isn't it? 19 years of age. It, what were you doing at 19? Crazy. What were you doing at 19? I mean, just think about that for a second. I was on the outside of the US World Cup team. I, I couldn't get I couldn't. <laughs> um, to be fair, like, you know, at, at that point in time, I was probably not far off the level. Um, the, the, the interesting, the interesting, he says, alienating our U.S. listeners. I'm a, I, I am one. I am one with, with that uh, zeitgeist. So uh, the interesting thing, though, is the problem with the Jude Bellingham is Manchester City can make a very compelling pitch to him, Paul, whereas Arsenal can't because he's going to spend at least three or four seasons behind Granite Shaka, if not five. So, you know, I, I just don't see, I don't see how we can make a pitch for him. Um, what is your take on, on, on the impact budget wise of players having a good world cup? We have, a, it's funny. If you remember, I went back last summer and I was listening to this. I said, if I'm Bukayo's agent, there's no way I let him sign now. I, even if he wants to stay, there's no way because the amount of leverage you have in the negotiation after he starts in a World Cup, after he maybe performs well in a World Cup, after he plays well one more season for Arsenal, and after he gets closer to one season left on his deal, it's just as an agent, there's no way I'd let him sign. And now we are in an interesting situation. I'm curious what you think happens to the negotiation if Bakayo goes out and scores five World Cup goals, you know, and and, and England aren't going to go out in the group stage, I think. I think it's pretty clear. Whatever the run they make or don't make, what does this do to our our efforts to resign him? Because I, I am convinced he's staying. I'm convinced, but the number obviously isn't agreed upon yet, or the contract would be signed. So, what does what does this do to this negotiation? 
Um, so yes. people are screaming whisk- whiskers at their podcast <laughs> listening devices right now. Shut up, whiskers! Look, but yeah, there's, go two, ahead. there's two schools of thought. There's yours, right, and then there's mine, which is I like to sleep at night. So my <laughs> my feeling is. here's my theory. It's basically already done. It's about timing now. Now, of course, it might not be done, but there's every chance. Like, the mood music's so good. I think they've worked it out. It's just like... um, You think the numbers agreed, though? Because the numbers agreed the contract was signed, I feel like, you know. No. Well, it might actually be... Yeah, it might actually be signed. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean they've shared it with us. Like, Arteta went to the U.S., in January last year, and they announced his contract in April or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, They agreed it in January. Um, The timing of Edu's announcement with this thing, I mean, things are very much in control at the moment, ticking along. Uh, Like Martinelli's thing might have been a little bit of a Freudian slip, give me the pen and I'll sign it, right? He may Mm. just feel it's all like bloody done. And like, uh, so... I'm well, not one thing that's... we have going for us on the other side of the, the ledger, Paul, is we're a club competing for titles now, right? We're a club that's going to be in the Champions League next season. So Bukayo's stature is growing, but our stature is growing. Why would, why would you not want to be with us, right? So I guess I guess both sides have strengthened their hand, so to speak, right, through the, through the yeah. performance of the club. Yeah. It, it's just a good feeling all around. And these guys, like they have agents. There's a time for the agent. The player steps away and blah, blah. There's a time for the player to step back in and say, look, we're close enough. I don't really give a shit at this point about three percentage points either way. I'm loving life at the football club. I'm 21, not 27 or 29. I don't give a crap. Uh, yeah. I've got I, loads. I, can I just say one I'm, thing about that? And I'm not like, saying they don't care. Like, now, remember the bit I said, the last two or 3%, not the last 20, 30. Like, players care about money in terms of... But, like, if they ain't nearly done by now... I'll be shocked. Yeah. That, and the only thing I would say is I'm, I always try to be careful about remembering like, who was I? I was just talking to someone about this, about how, Oh, so I was out with a friend and this friend, uh, was very, very close to a, a long time professional football in the premier league. And the professional football would always say to him, like players aren't fans, players that see this as a job. They have a short career. And no matter how much they love the club they're at, players do still see it as their job, as their earning, as their short window, and they they are going to prioritize earning as they should. This is just insight he gave me, right or wrong. I 100% agree with Mm -hmm. that. But there's a difference Mm -hmm. between a player at a club who's 27. I don't know. James Milner, when he's at, you know, some other club. No, I, I agree with you, yeah. And Bakayo Saka, golden boy of his generation at Arsenal, like he's the face and future of the club. Like it could not be any better for him. He doesn't care about two or three percent. I'm not saying he doesn't care about money or getting all his money. He's going to want to look around the league at Foden and this and that. No, he's got his because he needs to stand in the England dressing room with these guys and it's about status and stuff. But at some point, you don't care about the two or three percent. Uh, no, I agree, I agree with you. And yeah, I I, I want to be clear. Like, I'm not trying to create an argument because I tend to. I think he's staying. I think it may be agreed already. I just think that 
it's always important to center in these conversations the fact that these players do have short careers, sure. they have to maximize their earnings, and that like you made and a it'll point be that different I think is when he's twenty six. Don't get me wrong; yeah. it's not like oh, when it's it your last because it's Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or even your middle. Like he's going to yeah. look around when he's twenty five and twenty six and say, "What is the best thing for my career?" Screw the rest of you. Too yeah, and, and and that this is the point, right? If you're offered two hundred. Do you not sign because you wanted 210? I mean, we, we know Ashley Cole drove his car off the road over a, a small amount. Like, so we've, we've seen that happen before. But yeah, by and large, I, I agree. I think it's done. Like, um, well, Clive, the, the man who, who is in charge of this, the man who is going to be overseeing this discussion is Adu. And Adu is now Arsenal's first ever sporting director. Um, and I think he deserves credit for the work he's done. I have been critical of Adu. I have to admit, this is just, let, let's unburden ourselves just for a second. I still find myself looking at Adu and being like, is he the guy? Which is crazy. Look at the team he's built. Look at the squad he's built. And I find myself still asking questions. And I guess that's the hard thing with a sporting director. You don't really know, do you, ever? Like, you know, they always talked about Zork at Dortmund. You know, you, you get an Aubameyang or you get a Dembele and you're a genius you get you get it wrong and you're you're an idiot. Like it, it's this is hard stuff and it's hard to be proven right. But Adu has been made sporting director, and I think the more interesting aspect of this conversation, Clive, is what if anything this changes about his role, about his relationship to to Arteta, and about how the club may be structured going forward. Because I do think that there's room scope for change to occur now with him being made sporting director. Yeah, so everyone else's sporting director or technical director looks better than ours. That's what we were feeling a few years ago. We sat on this podcast, yep. all of us, I think, speaking about we need a Ralph Ranick in our club. Remember that? <laughs> and uh, when we were desperately not as coach, a, to be fair, <laughs> no, 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 we didn't say <laughs> as coach, no. But you know, we were we were reaching, we were thinking about how we could improve our structure, and we were suggesting ideas, right, and. Um, and who's the guy at Seville? I've got his name now. Um, Monchi. Thank you, Paul. Completely left my brain. And all those people look really sexy, right? So, um, and Edu came in, and much like when Arteta came in, when Edu came in, the key thing is for me is to listen to them and, and learn. Arteta's first interview, if you've played to yourselves now, it's everything he said is almost here, right? And one of Edu's first interviews, he was talking about building a team. And this is when I started to really switch on to him a little bit differently. And he spoke about physicality. And when he sat there, he sat there and he literally slapped his thighs and said, when I played in the team, we had physicality. And you know my thoughts around the physical and technical balance of a team. So I was I was really excited by that because in England, you have to be able to, to win your duels, he says, quote, in a popular phrase. And so, and he has, and he has built a team right now with the club, no doubt, and the recruitment team and Arteta, which has a physical and technical balance, which as we sit here today, as friends have been talking about football for about four or five years, we can barely find fault with that balance. And we are literally nitpicking it and, and looking to add layers to that 14, 15 that we have just to keep us you know, asleep at night in case we get any injuries. That's literally where we are. And the physical and technical and the speed and the carrying, the balance is wonderful, right? And, those, and balance is everything, you know, in a, in a squad. And so the, the actual role change for me 
we sort of we had a little scouting pod last week, didn't we? And we spoke about this. And the first thing I thought when you have a a player that's sorry a a person in the club that's had a promotion that creates room for another layer, right? And so, mm. given the expansion of his responsibilities, for me that leaves an, an obvious room for somebody else to come into that into that technical team shall we say not sure the profile of that person i think that person will be driven more towards transfers maybe maybe data i don't know elliot um but somebody else in that group to add expertise into that we don't particularly have at this moment in time maybe with a slightly more european focus given edu's got a very strong south american focus his european experience was very low before he came into arsenal and now he's obviously broadened that and he's creating contacts, but a few more contacts in Europe wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, right? And so you create more strength. So you broaden his role. He's a he's a senior person in the, in the club on a permanent contract. It's not like a player's contract. So you've you promoted him like we get promoted in our jobs. And that means somebody well, else speak for comes yourself. in. <laughs> and the way comms the way comms normally works, <laughs> with, my, with my sort of corporate background, the way comms work. You get the highest announcements announcement first, and it cascades down. And so, if all my guesswork is coming to fruition, the next announcement I think will be coming quite soon. And um, and I think there were a number of announcements coming quite soon. And I and yeah. I'm not where you are on um on contracts. I'm slightly okay. You're a natural warrior, and we yeah, that's your job, and you do it beautifully. I'm, I'm well. not worried to be clear. <laughs> yeah, but I do think there'll be a number of contract announcements coming as well. And I think they're, they're strategically placed to make sure that we refocus and mentally bring everyone back on board post the World Cup. That's what I would do if I was involved in communications at Arsenal. I'd make sure that these things were done. But the you do not waste an announcement. You make sure it arrives at the right time to have maximum impact. And that's what I would do. So what's this space here? I think we are building our club still. There's room for one more. We felt this for a while, and uh, it was so interesting to see what that in, who that individual is. If it's somebody high profile, low profile, someone known to the Arsenal community in some way, it was so interesting. If if we are correct with our hunches, really, Elliot. Yeah, and I I don't want to fully repeat myself from the scouting video we did. By the way, over on Patreon, we did a scouting video for two players, um, Jesper Lidstrom and Murdick. Mudrick, sorry, Mudrick. Um, really, really interesting video. And as always, those those show me things I'm not expecting to see, lead me to conclusions I'm not expecting to draw. Um, and we've gotten a lot of interesting feedback from that. So if you're interested, that's on the Patreon side of things. Um, and we'll have uh, midfielders scouted for you uh, the back half of this week. Um, so yeah, if you want to do that, great. If not, by the way, happy to have you here. You have a pot every day. So, Paul, I, I guess, I first of all, I think Adu... How can you argue with this? Like, he's he's been brilliant, right? I mean, I, I have questions about some of the things we did when he first arrived. He had to inherit some of the Raul stuff. Hard to know how much, if any, of it he was involved with. But since then, the moves we've made have worked out. And since all this sporting director stuff is pretty hard to assess out in the open daylight because you don't know much of what's happening, you just have to look at the squad that's built and say, job done. Um and there's still job to do, but I mean, so far, so good. What I think it does for us, Paul, is it, it, it provides the opportunity for there to be a layer between a, another position beneath Edu, but alongside Mikel. And this is now I'm going to go into the land of just guessing at shit, okay? My, my usual realm. 
Adia strikes me as someone who can help us develop the Brazilian relationship, obviously, for obvious reasons, who can get the relationships done, who who wants to go represent the club as the face of its sporting ambition to other clubs, to other agents, to other places. Is he the guy that wants to grind tape, as they usually say, that uh, used to say, that wants to build the list of all of our targets, that wants to go with Arteta into a dark room and do scouting videos like Clive and I do, right, to try to identify who's going to be the next left eight after Shaka? The, it, it, should Adu be that guy? So I think, you know, once upon a time we had a Sven, Sven Mislintat. Some people hated him. Some people think he was a, a magician. Six and one half dozen the other. What I'm saying is, is there a position, a head of recruitment type position, who reports up to Adu, but who is a little more tactical and a little more engaged with the scouts and the video scouts and the recruiting team on a day-to-day basis and working with Arteta on a day-to-day basis so that Adu can keep his head above the parapet a little bit? Do you think that that, that position might now become a role that, that the club can add? Yeah, look, my first reaction to it was maybe wrong, but my first reaction was I don't know that it signifies a, a huge change in his responsibilities or levels or whatever. Um, I think it's largely a recognition that he's done a great job. It's time for increased status, which he will want, uh, increased reward, um, and just a general recognition that the last two major windows have been a, a real success and that he's turned things around We've talked about how good is he or, uh, you know, we thought he might be okay. Then we thought he might suck. Then we now we think he's a genius. What's it all mean? We talked about Monchi. We talked about Rangnick. A lot of it is context, even for Edu within the one club. Like Monchi at Roma, you know, questions about is he a genius? Is he not Rangnick, right? <laughs> Turns out <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, when we talked about whether we wanted Rangnick, what we really wanted was Manchester United to have Rangnick. Um, he's obviously a smart, talented guy in the right context at the right time. And I think that's very much the case with Edu. As the context around him changed, it brought out the best in him. I kind of feel, though, you're onto something. It, there, there is a point in a guy's tenure. He's obviously been very hands-on. I mean, we got rid of a whole bunch of people. We got rid of how we did s- scouting, how we did. We moved to analy- a bigger emphasis, by all accounts, on and uh, analytics, analysis, video, we got rid of our scouting team. We had a, a story that we would use far more video and analytics, but in South America, where and obviously the Brazil market, we would lean more heavily on scouts, which was an interesting hybrid model. It'd be very interesting to find out if that's what they're really doing at this point. But clearly, we got rid of a whole bunch of people, and he would have needed to have stepped in and been in the trenches with his much smaller team and a small team that you believe in, you trust and can move quickly can achieve what a large team kind of can't or does worse, or you don't know what the problems are, where they're coming from. But there then comes a time where there's only so much, like you don't want your generals in the trenches for too long. They need to kind of get more and more perspective be more, go from being short-term to medium-term, which he has been, to long-term. He's got a f- five-year plan, I think, he laid out. He talked about how last year was about Europa League, unfortunately. Um, it it turned out it was about Europa League, even though it, thought, it looked like we could almost get to Champions League. This year looks like 
was supposed to be about Champions League and it looks like we're well on track. And all the time he's getting his head up higher. So I think there is the scope to bring in some kind of uh, technical director under a director of football so that Edu kind of takes a little bit more and more and more. Now that everything's established, he's comfortable that it's working right. He knows how it works. He knows what his people are doing. The trust is there. You can begin to trust your people, step back and let them do the job now that it's been established, what the job's roles are, processes, how it links to the other departments. And he can focus a little bit more on how it all comes together, the synthesis within the organization. And things are always changing. Clive will always tell us, right? You never arrive. So he may have absolutely nailed how we've done. I don't know. Maybe we got lucky. But he might have actually absolutely nailed how we do football up to November 2022. But other clubs are doing different things. Yeah, and I mean – what whatever the the next steps are in building out the club, yeah, I we, we always like our own ideas. I I do think that there's scope for another position there, right? That that works more regularly with Arteta um, on a day to day sort of tactical level of what the needs are and who the targets are, and reviewing with Arteta. Here's the list of five we like. You have thoughts on this? And I don't I don't know that that should be a do. But one thing I think is interesting, Clive. Adu has been a part of building this winner. The love for Mikel Arteta is overflowing at the moment, and rightfully so. Somehow it still feels muted for Adu. And I think it's so interesting. We are a club rising back to prominence, competing for a title, being guided by two former Arsenal players. What a wonderful thing. And yet, Arteta getting all the love he rightly deserves. Adu, it feels like it's been a little more muted. No, by the way, Cody Gakpo is just headed... The Netherlands in front at the 85th minute. A nice header. I think it's onside. It's a good goal. Cody Gakpo, a player that we did a scouting video for and liked very much. Um, although didn't impress tremendously in our games against PSV. Anyway, I digress. Clive, like the, it's weird to me that it's sort of muted because Adu's an invincible. Adu's a former, former player. Adu's helped us build this team too. And and I don't think he he's just receiving full, effusive unqualified adoration. Now, look, should anyone get that? Should you just throw off all your mental faculties and love everybody all the time? I mean, you do you, do it how you want to. But do you have a thought on maybe why we're not seeing more sort of effusive, unqualified love for Adu, who also is a former player, former Invincible, and and very much part of this this group that we've built that's doing what it's doing? I think um, we, we forget Mertesacker as well, by the way, is um, head yeah, of the yeah, academy. Yeah, well, who could forget um, him? Stands so, out the crowd. And so, yeah, I think it comes down to knowledge of that person. Um, do do we have, we we only have, I mean, Tim would probably have the most knowledge of Edu in, in an executive role. So as a player, I've got full, clear memories of him as a player. A very key member of that team when we had a midfielder out, which we did on a lot of occasions due to our red card history. <laughs> um, Edu came in and, and he could handle himself and move that ball. A very, a very good player. Quite, probably similar to, for the younger listener, very, very similar to Granit Xhaka in a number of ways, the way he moved, the way he moved the ball. And so, but that's how we remember him. We don't remember him as an executive in Brazil. And so when he came in, there's a level of, okay, what are you bringing to the show? You know, and um, and so a little bit of suspicion there. 
But as like, over time, you, you judge people by their actions, don't you? Because some of the earlier actions mm-hmm. under Raoul, we questioned. But since that situation has changed, he's for me, he's almost been faultless. You know, literally yeah. faultless to what's happening. And um, you don't get the feeling that we're feeling right now um, without uh, full alignment on and off the pitch, right? And he's a big part of that. Uh, one thing Tim did say to us very quickly that he, he partners well with people. I think he partnered well with the Brazilian manager. They become a partnership when he took the, when he mm-hmm. took the role. Tite, yeah. Yeah, he wanted Edu with him. And when, so I took that, that little nugget from Tim and thought, it'd be interesting to see if Edu partners with Arteta in the same way. And it seems as though they have done. And there's a real close link there. And it's not mm-hmm. something just manufactured. It seems to be real and genuine. If you listen to Arteta, then there's no hesitation in his body language when you're talking about Edu. He is, he is his, they're, they're mates, right? They are running the show. I, I often feel, just with my, with my hat, you know, my corporate hat on, when I see two people working this well together, I think succession planning, I think key man dependency. So I immediately think, we got to make sure that we're not left naked there. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's just what you got to do. If anything was to happen, you got to make sure there are people in the building that can take up the reins, right? So, so that's just been my thing about the extra person coming in, whoever that person is. I've got no idea. I don't care about the job role. You know, the role will sort itself out. Full trust. Edu's role, fine. He's more or less doing it now anyway. So now it's been solidified. And Arteta's role is clear to us all. So how we how we had expertise, I think, is the most important thing. So for me, I'm a, I'm a fan of Edu. I like how he's approached the football. But I can say that now with a lot more certainty than I, than I did when he first arrived. Because I didn't know. So I've learned and watched and listened. And I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan now. I genuinely wonder how differently he might be perceived by the Arsenal fan base if he was not on Instagram barbecuing. <laughs> what, what has that done to his reputation with Arsenal fans? Paul, you want to add on, Edu? Yeah, like, it's a tough one to evaluate because for a director of football, I don't know, maybe we actually really, really like him and he's very highly rated because those are normally kind of in the background. Like, when you contrast him to Arteta, sure, but he's a manager on the sidelines, right? Um, There are other famous directors of football, but they're normally famous because the team has done huge things. And afterwards, people say, well, how did they do that? And, you know, your legend is built after the fact. And Edu's very, very well regarded, I think, given that he's kind of a backroom backstaff guy from a footballing perspective and things are building really well and we're top of the, and all that good stuff but he was quite well liked this summer um and like what did we do we didn't quite make champions league so i think relatively we're i think we we like him you know what i mean I, mm-hmm. compared to directors of footballs at a uh, football at other clubs i think edu's held in very warm regard at this point clive yeah i just want to say that um the reason one of the reasons why we respect both edu and arteta is they were the first ones to tell us we had problems they told us we had a way to go 
They told us there was a disconnect. I, 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 I was one of the first to say we had problems. Yeah. I, f- I feel like I, I could have done but, that job. But they, people, they people tell you we have problems. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, people in the club were sort of saying, trying to cover our cracks with, with Williams and things like that, right? And, and, and nice buys and big wages and big contracts. But these, these were two guys who said, nah, we're nowhere near it. We got work to do. We got a clean house. And they made some very unpopular decisions that did not put themselves first, but put the club first. You know, it's so much easier just to keep people in the building that the fans like. But not only did they not keep people in the building that the fans liked or debated about, they paid them to go. That's high-risk strategy. That is like, I'm putting myself on the fire here. This has to work. So when you see someone prepared to do that, then I'm prepared to give them a break, right, and wait and be patient because I'll, I'll, you know, I'll long for cleaning this house up, you know, with the type of people that are motivated to be here for the right reason, which is for the club. And I think we all feel that now, and it's really, and he's a big flag bearer of that. So fair play to him, mate. You come into Europe, no rep, and has done this to the point now where other teams want to get him he, football's a village. People are talking about him in, inside the inside the village, and his reputation's obviously grown. Yeah, and they've made well mistakes. Said. I mean, they cleaned up some of their own mistakes. We know what those are, but that also takes something, right? Not to hold on to your mistakes, to see them well, for what they are, to stand up to the board, to Josh Cranky, and say, uh, "We fucked up. Now we got to pay this guy to go." So that, be it. That, that's important, and I'm going to say something that people are going to hate. But we, we should at least be fair. I don't think this works then if you don't give KSE just a tiny bit of credit. I know people don't want to hear it, but the credit is when they come to you and say, hey, we just signed Aubameyang to this monster deal. Now we just want to make him leave and pay him to go away. We just signed this guy, William. We want to pay him to go away so that we can go sign new players. This guy, Pepe, we paid $72 million. We need him to go away. We need to sign new players. KSE could have looked at it and said, you made this mess. These are the players you bought. You got to make it work with them. I'm not funding, uh, you know, th- these guys to go play for other clubs and then bring in new ones. And again, they would have been wrong if they had said that. I'm not trying to paint them as heroes for what they did, but they did back the direction of these two men, Arteta and Adu, and they're reaping some reward from that. And I please do not mistake this for me just trying to do a puff piece on KSE, but like the the fact of the matter is. A lot of mistakes were made, granted, under the Raul era. I'm not saying it was under the Adu era. And KSE was willing to help finance the move out of that and do it during a period around COVID and whatnot where revenues were not what they should have been, where we weren't in Europe, where we didn't have stadium receipts. So, and I know, again, people are going to point out a lot of it was done with debt. I understand that, low interest debt, but debt is debt. So, like, I don't want to get into it too much. It's a complex topic. My my point is not to say, hey, they're, they're heroes, but I do think that, what Adu and Arteta wanted to do could only be done with an ownership group that was willing to do some things that I think economically weren't necessarily in something that they just automatically be expected to say yes to. And an That's ownership all. that finally got close enough to the football, the club, the people, Edu, Arteta, to be able to hear what they have to say. Yeah, and we, then remember trust We them. Cared to You? I mean, we've come a long yeah. way since We Cared to You. So, all right. Uh, well, yeah. look, I care about you, listener, which is why this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, it is about caring about yourself. The holidays are rolling around. Um, here in America, it's Thanksgiving week. We have uh, a lot of holidays coming up, and the holidays can be a time where 
there's a lot of love and togetherness. There can also be a time of alienation and isolation and, and pain, especially through loss or whatever the case may be. The, the fact of the matter is that therapy is something everyone should do and they should reach out for that help before it's a crisis. And it should just be about managing your life. There's no user manual for how to do life, right? You, you, you got to just figure it out. Well, a therapist is there to help you figure it out. I did it. It worked for me. I know it will work for you if you give it a chance. And BetterHelp has a, a number of advantages. They're the world's largest therapy service. They have matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online, and it's affordable. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with the therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. Couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash vision. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash vision. And... Oh my, I had such a good Manscaped experience this week. I had to go on a quick trip for the weekend and I was rushing. I didn't have a lot of time. I hopped in the shower. That lawnmower 4.0, man, it will do the job so quick. I got so clean, so well shaved so quickly. You'd be so proud of me. Did my did my chest too. I, it's not really designed for that, but I did it. I did it. And you might be saying, well, do you want to put that on your chest? You know what? You, you Don't judge my grooming habits. I won't judge yours. The important thing is that you use the lawnmower 4.0 and we're coming around to the holidays. What is, what is, what's going to be in Santa's sack? Well, let's, let's talk more about taking care of Santa's sack. I don't know. It's all, it's all written right here. You know it's written right here. It's not me. Don't blame me. The point is you can take care of all the sacks with the lawnmower 4.0, preferably your own, but you, you know, you take care of others if, if you want to. It is a season of giving. The Platinum Package has each product from the best-selling performance package plus ultra-premium body wash, ultra-premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, ultra-premium deodorant. So it's the Platinum Package 4.0. So all the stuff you're used to, the, the weed whacker, the tr- the ear and nose hair thing, the lawnmower 4.0 with the light and the waterproof and the wireless charging and all that. You get the toner. You get the, the ultra premium body wash, shampoo, deodorant. It's all in there, plus the shed travel bag, plus the boxer briefs. Do it now. Get 20% off and free shipping from the Platinum Package. I mean, we're, we're really stepping up here. Right now, manscaped.com, promo code ARSENALVISION. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code ARSENALVISION. Manscaped, get your jingle balls ready for the holiday. Clive, is that enough of that? <laughs> yes, please. That's enough of that. <laughs> Nailed it. Okay. Then we got there in the end, folks. Let's do a little transfer speculation because fun, right? We like fun. Um, and Clive, I'll start with you. Let, let's let's start with this real quick. Let's say I'm you're Mikel Arteta, and you're sitting in Adu's office, and Stan and Josh are there, and they say, "All right, we want you to win the title. What do we need to go and do for you in January?" Within reason, you're Arteta. What do you ask for? What are you asking for in January to go at least push City the whole way? And I should say City should push us because we're we're I don't know if you know this we're top of the table. Yeah, exactly. I think I think recognition of the opportunity is key. And I think there's opportunity for us a football club this year to do something. Um, number one priority is the Champions League. Got to get it, no matter what. But we can't even we we can't risk that. We we're talking about you know Bukayo Saka scoring two goals at the World Cup. Thursday night music's not going to work for him much longer, right? We got to fix that. There are players that are growing in stature by the week. Thursday nights are just not going to work. We have to fix it. And um, so that's number one priority. So it's almost de-risking that. And in the summer, we you could all argue, I was a guy that wanted a wide forward and then many wanted another midfielder. Uh, I felt we could get away the midfielder and then 
lo and behold, on uh, transfer deadline week, we we lose a couple and we 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 nearly panicked into a move with Douglas Louise. So that didn't happen. And actually, in hindsight, even though when you know when it was going on, I wasn't totally against it. But in hindsight, I think it's it's been a good thing that we, we missed out there and we got we got through it. And parties made quite fit, and we've got through it with Sambi covering those positions as best he can. So there's two positions, right? Everyone's going to expect me to say the two positions. It's a wide forward and a centre midfielder. We're all thinking the same. I'm not unique to that. It's just a matter of who it is, what's the level, where, the, where what's the experience and the age, and whoever it is will drive a level of expectations. And if you want to ask me about my... One of the worries I have is, and I'm having this worry a lot less, to be fair, is Arsenal dealing with expectations. Now, at the moment, we're the youngest or second youngest squad in the Premier League, and we are just flying. So everything is positive curve, and we are exceeding our own internal expectations. But when expectations on the outside become, you need to be doing this now because you've now done this in the transfer market, you've done this. That's a different level of expectations. That's something that could weigh on you. And and so we're interested to see how they view the next steps. Is it a Jesus Sinchenko level player? Um, I'm talking Asian experience. Or is it another couple of 22-year-olds that we can develop under our experience core that we have right now? Um, My gut, maybe due to the fact I've been brainwashed as somebody that's watched Arsenal with a young team for the last couple of years, and I want to see that continue, my gut says it's the 22-year-olds that are going to come in. Um, but now, we spoke last weekend, 22-year-olds are not cheap anymore. Look at um, Darwin Nunes, right? They cost a lot of money. So you make your choice. Depends on the 22-year-old, right? Yeah. You make your choice. And I do think yeah. Arsenal seeking contractual opportunities. That's the best way. Gabriel Jesus was the last year of his contract, and I felt 45 was a bit expensive at the time for one year to go on the contract because historically... That is a bit expensive. It looks real cheap now due to his influence. I think it's for us who have got to seek those contractual opportunities. So if they are going to go experience, or they should continue the project with their 22-year-olds and his number of players, which we will scout in the next couple of weeks uh, into those two positions. Yeah. We're almost a perfect club for a 22-year-old, right? We are. I mean, well, you know, it, mm, where else so would I, you go? I don't. So I'll, I'll turn this over to you in a second here. All I want to say, Paul, is that I, I, don't, I don't want to be too redundant with stuff I've said in the past, but... You don't know when your window is, but the window could be now. We're top of the table, right? We're playing great. We're a really good team. You don't want to crater the project, but the point of the project is to win the Premier League someday. If that day is now and not three years from now, that does slightly change for me whether the goal is to go out and buy a project 21-year-old who could be great in three seasons. I'm not saying tear up the blueprint, and I'm not saying buy a mediocre 25-year-old. But like, I do think we get this wrong. The goal of a project is not to be perpetually building. The goal of a project is to to build a team that can win the Premier League. Well, if we have a team that's very close to being able to win the Premier League, you you don't like you don't go sign an eighteen year old for. You can always sign an eighteen year old for three million. It doesn't hurt you. Doesn't hold anything back. But I guess what I'm saying, Paul, is yeah. I, if we're going to really make an effort to add something in January. I think it is more incumbent now than it might have been otherwise for that addition to be impactful now, not a he's going to be a big difference maker in two in two seasons. Because if you want the he's going to be a big difference maker in two seasons guy, you can always sign him in the summer. If you're going to do yeah. something in January now, I, I think it has to be a player that makes a difference this season. 
Yeah. That, that, you just cannot throw away an open window. You don't throw away open windows, but you, you get the idea. You, you can't throw away the possibility that this is the season, not, not three seasons from now, you know? Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm I'm watching Clive in the window. He's just dying Shaking to get his in. head. Just you know dying, that movie? What's it called? 127 hours. The one where the mm-hmm. guy has to chew his own saw, arm saw off. off his own arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's that's Clive here. But screw it, I'm I'm going to talk. Uh, yeah. Look, uh, I think you kind you got to stick with the plan. You got to build your trajectory, right? You got to get better all the time. So while I hear you, there's a winner here. We could win the Premier League, even if it's 20%, 25%, whatever, you can't throw away the plan. What you could do is buy a better 22-year-old, one who's actually bloody ready. Um, we've seen the Cronkies in the past spend sure. big money on players. So I think you stay with your program. You just might go a little heavier. Instead of getting the good 22-year-old who you think will probably work out, you get the great 22-year-old will definitely work out and you spend an absolutely shitload of money on it because it's there for you. So uh, there's a spectrum, but I don't think like a good test case is last season and we could have got Champions League, but do you really feel we're missing it right now? Would you take the risk of capsizing the boat by getting the wrong player, the this, the that, still missing out on Champions League, having the wrong striker? Or do you say this feel like nobody is happier than the, Arsenal? So, hang on, yeah, yeah. hang on. Yeah, Nobody's sorry. happier than Arsenal football supporters and where we're at and how we're building because we're on our trajectory. And there's lots of counterfactuals, blah, blah, blah. But you stick to the plan, maybe you go a little heavier would be my feeling on it. Sure, so absolutely. And I, I, There's just one thing I, that I think is a little bit of a straw man. I don't mean, think you mean it this way, but like, of course don't buy the wrong player. You, you know what I mean? Like buying a bad player who's overpriced and doesn't fit is <laughs> right. Don't do that. Like, like, yeah. I guess, I guess the, the reason I call it a straw man is like the I if you set it as either we can buy a really talented, exciting 21-year-old for the future, or we can buy a deeply mediocre 26-year-old who's overpriced. Like, well, yes, of course, if those are the options, buy the younger one. But I'm so saying didn't you kind of set up the question that way, to be honest? No, no, no. What, what I'm saying is if our plan is a slow and steady build, right, we're going to keep buying young players who can develop into something longer term for us. Like, I guess what I'm saying is if there's a ready-made player that we think is good enough right now, that's maybe one for the next. So, so like, let's put it this way. Let's say you're like, you know what I want from life? I want, I want family. I want love. I want to have kids. I want to get married. I want to get married at 35. If you meet the love of your life at 32, and she's everything or he's everything you've ever wanted in life. You're not going to be like, nah, you got to go. I, I I told myself 35 for marriage. Sorry, sweetheart. Sorry, sorry, buddy. Like, because you'd be crazy. You'd be throwing away the thing that you always hope to have. Like, if the goal of building a squad is to eventually compete for the title and we're doing it right now, then we have to maximize right now. Um, Clive, and this is why it's a false dichotomy. Like, you don't have to buy a player that screws your future. That's not my point. My point is, can you find a player who is more likely to have an impact now than a project player, right? Like a Danilo, a a great example, Danilo. Let's let's make this more concrete. Clive, Danilo could be a player that we should buy, and he could be a player that will be good for us. The likelihood that Danilo comes in and, and substantially changes our fortunes this season, I think, is relatively low. Okay? 
Does that mean we shouldn't go get Danilo at some point? Maybe, maybe not. Your mileage may vary. Does it mean we should go get a different player in January who can have an impact this season? That's that's more what I'm asking about, you know? Yeah, so the reason I had my hand up earlier because you said the goal this project's got to be to win the league. And I would say, I would question that because you sort of turned that slightly towards the end of your conversation. The goal of this project is to consistently compete at the top end of the table. Consistently yeah. compete at the top end. Agreed. Not for one year and then blow up. But every single year, you layer on, you layer on, you layer on, and you change the position and the perception of your club over half a decade by being right there. Like Liverpool have done up until this season, they have changed the perception of their club from a team that barely qualified for Champions League to being into two or three Champions League finals in the last half decade. Right, So that's what we need to be doing. And to do that, you have to build something. You have to build it properly, strategically, and carefully by having the right profile of players, the right mix of players, the right balance of players, the right character of players. That makes a dressing room and makes Arsenal... <laughs> Remember when I first started this podcast, one of my favorite phrases, makes Arsenal the, the employer of choice. Employer the of place choice. to be. <laughs> the place to be. It has to be the place to be. And there are conversations about players out there right now that we are slowly thinking, I wonder if they'll come to Arsenal. And because, because of what? Because of the things that have been put in place on and off the pitch, because of the mm-hmm. players that are on the pitch and how connected we feel to them and how the yeah. fans feel about the club right now. If you're somebody looking in the window, you're thinking, that's the restaurant I want to walk into. I want to taste their steak, mate. It looks good in there. I want it's a queue to get in and I want to go there because it looks like a nice We've gotten so big on analogies be. on this episode. Paul's just drooling. He loves, he loves <laughs> it. This is his yeah, favorite episode the, ever. That's the I'm place. talking no one, marriage. You're talking steak. We know where our heads are at. No one wants I'm to go to a restaurant where you... Santa, taking care Santa, of Santa's Santa, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go, go ahead. No, no one wants to go to a restaurant where you can just book and you're there on a Saturday night and you book on Saturday morning. You want to make it somewhere that's hard, exclusive, that's special. The one you've got to wait four weeks for to get in. That's the one you want to be going to, right? And you want to make it a place that's really exciting. And that's what and that's where we are. And so eventually, we're not, we won't be worrying about Saka leaving, because why would he leave? Right? And I think it's very important, the whole feeling around this club is built on strategic thinking. Hence why I hope we don't lurch. I really hope we don't lurch. But the problem is, everybody in the European market knows the Premier League has the money. And so a developmental player like, you know, Cody Gakpo, when we started looking at him in August, he was a developmental player. He just scored a goal in the World Cup. In August, he wasn't even in a Dutch team. He's now in the Dutch team, scored a goal in the only match of the World Cup. That £25 million player is not £25 million anymore. It's 35, 45, 55, and we don't know if he can translate to the to the Premier League. It makes it very challenging to have that mindset that we can spend 30, 40 million to get someone to come in and really make an impact when that's the sort of player that we could be looking at and the price is just running away as we speak, you know? So I think it's a challenge, Elliot, but I take strategy, I take building blocks, I take more. Fabio Vieira is a good example of a player that we need to be going for. I think in the second half of the season, we'll see a lot more of. I'm not against another one like that, if not a little bit a little bit maybe more physically ready right now. I'd be happy with that in a forward area. And in centre midfield, I think the key thing really, Elliot, is tackling. The ability to create 
transitions by taking the ball away. I think we have enough good ball players. What Thomas Party does that no one else does, he can jump on people, take it off them, and start attacks. And I think when when he's missing, we don't have that. We don't have that gene. We have, we become a passing team that doesn't go and get into people and create trauma and so I've been looking at somebody that can jump out of his hole and really get people create a transition for our sprinty wide men so that's why I'm with it and when we go to our Friday scouting session when I'll be bringing players to you that's what I'm thinking about so yeah that's why I am yeah yeah I and and just to be clear right like you you reference Liverpool Liverpool had a process, but at some point the process resulted in them not buying the 24-year-old 30 million. At some point it was, we're going to go get Virgil van Dijk because he's the finished, he's the final piece, right? There, there's, if you're always building for the future, like a process has to have stages. And, and when you sit down, you know, these five-year plans, these three-year plans, whatever they are, part of it has to be like, all right, in a couple of seasons, this is where we see ourselves. Then in a few seasons beyond that, we kind of see ourselves here. There have to be stages like, and, and, I think we did some of that this summer. Obviously, Gabriel Jesus, you know, right hitting his prime, center forward, the the crown jewel for us. I, I get it. It's the point that you, if you never adjust your approach based on your current position, then that's kind of a mistake, right? I think I, I'm not saying tear up the roadmap and just go a different direction. I'm just saying maybe we're a little further along the road than we expected to be is another analogy. What is happening to this podcast? Welcome to the Arsenal Vision Analogy Podcast. My name is Elias Smith. Uh, okay, look, I think we should leave it there. The point is, January is an opportunity. How we approach that opportunity will be fascinating. It will be really fascinating, right? Because, by the way, you can go back and listen to the podcast. I pretty much supported our decision not to go big last January and screw everything up, just to chase top four. I said, if they didn't find a guy they really liked and believed was on the process of where we're going, and you know what? Had we gotten Bruno Guimaraes, I think we're probably in the Champions League. We didn't. I don't know if we ever could have gotten him. There's a lot of shenanigans, I think, that were involved there. But I was supportive of that. If we do nothing this January or do something that's very projecty, it's not that I'm going to lose my mind. It's that I will be curious what the thing... I, w- I wish I could just be a fly on the wall to understand the thought process behind it because we are in a very unique position. Having said that, we're going to go into January having played fewer games than you usually would in a January window, which makes it harder to assess what your actual options are. So we'll keep everything on the table. I think January will be a fascinating way of evaluating. Are they making a move they always were going to make? Or is this a move that reflects a belief in what this season could bring? Have they pivoted? That'll be fun to watch. Let's leave it there. Uh, there'll be a World Cup Daily coming up. It's good to just podcast all the time. Uh, join us for the scouting video later this week. Or join us for the scouting video we did of Murdick, Mudrick and... Uh, Lidstrom, I think you'd be interested by it. So that's enough of that, Paul's, Paul, Paul. Paul is on Twitter in the same way that you know how when you're driving a car and you you put it in second gear. No, I'm not doing more analogies. Paul's on Twitter. Pause my pants. Thanks, Paul. Woohoo! Clive's on Twitter. Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. My name is Alex Smith. Black Man Twitter. Yank Gunner. We love you, and we will talk to you after your country ten. Other country nil.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.